Ryan Martin's Indiana Farm Forecast is dry, and it has some sunshine in it, too. Good morning. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. That's coming up here on the Hoosier Ag Today podcast, made possible by First Farmers Bank and Trust. Experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. You can learn more at ffbt.com or stop by your local branch. They'd be happy to talk about your ag operation today. Speaking of First Farmers Bank and Trust, as they do each year, they had their annual Ag Summit at Purdue's ross Aid Stadium earlier this week. I had the opportunity to go and meet with some great farmers, have a great lunch, and hear from some great speakers. You'll hear from one of them coming up in the news as we talk about that big decision of ARC or PLC. C.J. Miller's also on the news, and he talks about some recent conflicts in the Middle East that could impact the fertilizer market. We had some follow-through buying in the soybean market on Wednesday. Market analysis coming up with Tom Fritz, EFG Group in Chicago. The news is next here on HAT. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity. For many of you here in Indiana, agriculture is your life's work and legacy. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. ARC or PLC? You need to make up your mind by March 15th and how conflicts in the Middle East could impact fertilizer prices. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is Hoosier Ag Today. With the extension of the existing farm bill, farmers will have the same commodity title choices this year as they've had since 2019. Farmers will need to decide between ARC or PLC. That's agricultural risk coverage at the county or individual level, or price loss coverage. This decision needs to be shared with the Farm Service Agency by March 15th. Danny Poff is a crop insurance agent and grain market advisor for Strategic Farm Marketing based in Champaign, Illinois. It's an important decision this year because traditionally I think most folks have been electing PLC on their corn as only protecting price with their base acres at FSA. But what's happened is we've had pretty good farm economy the last couple years and that trailing Olympic average has beefed up a better revenue guarantee by electing Arc County. So I think producers are going to be looking for guaranteed dollars wherever they can find them. Poff spoke at the annual First Farmers Bank and Trust Ag Summit event at Purdue's Ross Aid Stadium Wednesday. He used Purdue's home Tippecanoe County as an example. The revenue guarantee in Art County went up about $150 compared to last year. The tie on that though connecting to crop insurance is, you know, I think almost 50% of our policies had SCO on the crop insurance and the tie with that is you had to be PLC in order to get SCO. So if we're switching gears to take the free Art County election at FSA, it will also have crop insurance ramifications, so you need to sit down with a trusted advisor to vet that out to see what's the best fit for you. To speak with Poff or one of his colleagues about that decision, you can visit sfarmmarketing.com. A number of recent conflicts throughout the Middle East could impact the fertilizer market as farmers prepare for planting season. 
C.J. Miller has the story. Well, the nitrogen sector had a little bit of a hickey here this weekend in the terms of something that, again, had no direct impact on the nitrogen markets, but it's something that could happen. That's Josh Linville, vice president of fertilizer at StoneX, referring to last weekend's drone attack on a military base in Jordan that killed three American soldiers and injured more than 40 others. And the reason this is important for nitrogen is that now we're waiting for the response from the U.S. And we're wondering, is this just another uh, physical attack back on the Houthi rebels and it stays there? Is this a physical attack on them and then sanctions on Iran? And whether that will or will not include sanctions on urea exports from Iran? They're a major exporter when they're able to export. Or is there a more direct conflict in the works because Iran has been back in this group or at least linked to it? Linville says the response from the U.S. is causing some to worry about how it might impact fertilizer shipments. If all of a sudden we have to start talking about a storyline that considers the inability to transit vessels through the Persian Gulf or the surgical move, the world will focus on oil shipments. But from our market push, from a nitrogen standpoint, there are millions upon millions of tons of urea exports that come from that body of water, from those countries that surround that body of water. And if all of a sudden Iran starts taking shots at vessels, you start to shut down those exports, the global S&D for urea changes drastically overnight. And while the probability of that that situation is low. Linville says there are a lot of what ifs driving the fertilizer market right now. It does not mean you have to buy everything right now or you won't get it because I think we've got a good supply of product to get the thing started. But there's also a lot of risk associated with this. I think it's still now more than ever important to make sure we're having conversations with our retailer, with our supplier. Linville says that having earlier and more often conversations with your fertilizer supplier to let them know what you'll be looking for this year will help the supply chain be ready and more prepared ahead of the planting season. I'm C.J. Miller. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. (laughs) Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast, talking about a dry weather pattern ahead of us here over the next 10 days. Yesterday it was a slow start with a little bit of a chill and the clouds holding firm as warm air tries to move in over that cold, wet surface. Going forward the next few days, I do think that we see less and less impact of clouds and better impact of sun. We need that because I think it's going to be dependent on sun as to how fast we dry here a little bit. And once again, we're dealing with a lot of excessive soil moisture in spots. Talked with a lot of farmers that are trying to haul grain, and you know what? Binyards are just a sloppy, slimy mess. So we could use some drying, but we also want this moisture to go down through the soil profile. We don't just want it to all evaporate away. That's why I say sun is important uh, to be able to make this moisture start to work down, remove any remaining uh, frost layer that may be down a few inches yet. So that's where we're at right now, and I think we have better sunshine potential as we go forward. Through the weekend, temperatures may pause just a little bit, kind of plateau for a bit, Friday afternoon, Friday night, 
uh, into Saturday, and then we're back to warming through the rest of the weekend. Next week looks nice, but I will tell you, cold air is pooling to the north, and by the time you get to Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll start to see that cool air push southward across the northern plains, uh, northern parts of the upper Midwest, and I think the moisture that we talked about and, and hinted at coming late in the week, Thursday night into Friday, I think that's going to be with a frontal boundary that ushers in cooler temperatures. To be clear, when I say cooler temperatures, I'm talking about getting back closer to normal. That's definitely colder than what we're looking at for the next week to week and a half, but it's not the Arctic deep freeze that some of us still remember a few weeks back in January. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Farm Credit Mid-America believes that your crop insurance should be maximized to address what's important to you. With their data-optimized decision tool, you can build a policy custom fit to your operations goals. Using your past production data, their tool, which they have exclusive access to in their territory, maps out future events, helping you choose the perfect policy time, coverage level, and options for you, all guided by their crop insurance agents. To learn more, visit fcma.com slash crop insurance. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity provider. Soybeans come off their lows and finish in the green on Wednesday. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday Farm Market Review. I'll have final numbers from Wednesday trade coming in just a few moments. First, let's get market analysis from Tom Fritz with the hits EFG Group in Chicago. Uh, Tom, on Wednesday, we saw wheat move lower. We saw a tight trading range on the day for corn. But let's talk about this soybean market first if we can. They came well off their lows, finished higher after a turnaround Tuesday yesterday. That was in doubt if we were going to carry some of that through to Wednesday, but we managed to pull out some gains. Well, you know, if you're looking at the gains in the soybean market, Eric, you've got to give credit to the soybean meal market. Uh, you look at nearby meal up uh, just over $5. Uh, bull spreads are working in the meal market. Um, you know, the meal market was the one that got us out of the hole the other day. Uh, and it was just, what was it, uh, just the other day that uh, March meal made new lows down at uh what was it, 351, and here we are today at, uh, three, what is that, 368. And I think what's happened in the meal market is due to the disruptions in the U.S. crushing industry here in the Midwest, uh, and those disruptions were due to the brutally cold weather uh, that we saw in uh, mid-January, mid-late January, uh, I think it caught some end users slash exporters short-bought. And so now these guys are scrambling to get some coverage uh, until they can get their hands on some uh, cash meal. Uh, the interior domestic market for meal has been improving the last few days. Uh, the export market has stayed firm. So, um, you know, to me, this is all about uh, the meal market. Now, we've, we've been crushing the daylights out of beans, but uh, when we got into those brutally cold temperatures, uh, you know, as little as a week and a half ago, it brought a good portion of the Midwest crushing industry to a screaming halt. And uh, so I think these guys are playing catch up. And uh, when the meal market's rallying, there's no way the bean market's going to stay down. And, uh, you know, I think the uh, soybean market, you can't help but uh, notice the uh, reversal we saw in the bean market yesterday. And, uh, you know, I think today's trade was, uh, you know, I liked it in uh, response to that reversal. Uh, some of the best reversals, such as we saw yesterday, rarely see big time follow through on an immediate uh, time frame. 
they usually back and fill a little bit, such as we did here this morning. And uh, just that late push higher uh, came from the meal market uh, pushing up to its highs of the day, which in turn pushed up uh, beans to the high of the day. Uh, interesting. Uh, bull spreads are working in meal, but uh, bull spreads not working so much in soybeans. And, uh, you know, I think, okay, we've got the higher flat price. Um, it's not running away from us. I doubt it will run away from us. Uh, but uh, you look at the spreads and, you know, why is that? Well, our export market, to be kind, uh, is not what uh, the trade would like to see. Uh, Brazilian uh, soybean offers to China uh, continue to undercut the daylights out of uh, U.S. offers. In fact, uh, the uh, basis in Brazil uh, for China soybeans, it's, what was it, the last time I looked, five, six cents under uh, the March board. Uh, that's almost unheard of for this time frame. And so what it suggests is that the soybean producer, the soybean board, uh, the people who come up with these quotes down in Brazil, uh, they're saying, okay, we may have a short crop, but we still have a ton of soybeans left to sell. So, uh, you know, with that said, you know, I think that keeps uh, our uh, nearby spreads under pressure, but uh, it allows the flat price to move higher. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the uh, the name of the game in the soybean market right now. Uh, corn, corn was torn between, uh, you know, I think the uh, the firming soybean market and the uh, slack-looking wheat market. But once again, uh, you look at the reversal that the corn market registered yesterday, it's hard to ignore. And uh, I just think, you know, okay, we don't have the fundamental rationale for corn, at least not yet. If we're going to have one, it's because... Uh, Argentina and or Brazil uh, will have problems uh, with their corn crop. And right now, it's it's too early. Uh, Argentina has just finished planting its corn. Uh, sure, it's hot and dry down there, but if you look at forecasts, that hot and dry is not expected to last. Uh, second season corn plantings in Brazil, uh, what are they, 10%? You know, so how do you get concerned with that? And if you look at the forecast for Brazil, uh, it seems like beneficial weather uh, continues to rotate from north to south, south back north, north back down south. So it, it's it's hard to uh, you know challenge their second season corn crop right now. But uh, you know I think the uh, biggest support the corn market has is the grossly short spec position, and uh, I think that'll keep the market alive for a while. Uh, when I say alive. Don't hold your breath on any monumental rally, at least not anytime soon. But uh, it keeps the market alive. Uh, the wheat market, now, you know, okay, uh, U.S. wheat futures, we follow the overseas markets. Uh, Paris wheat was lower today. Um, you look at offers coming out of the Black Sea, uh, they continue to be depressed, whether it's Ukraine offers or Russian offers. And, uh, you know, demand for U.S. wheat is. It's not very good. So, you know, we have to uh, follow the competition. And I think that's what uh, the end result of uh, today's wheat trade was. But if you look at your wheat charts, all we were was just an inside day of yesterday. That does not negate the quote-unquote suggested, uh, call it buy signal, stability signal, uh, that the uh, wheat market has pumped out. Go look at a chart on Chicago wheat. Where has it gone in the last four months? It's just been a broad trading range. 
Kansas City week, man, well, okay, it's a trading range, but it hasn't been a trading range for quite as long as the uh, Chicago market has been. But one thing about Kansas City week, look at the price structure. It's inverted. Uh, when you have an inverted price structure, it's not bearish. Well, so far it hasn't been uh, very bullish to the Kansas City wheat market, but what it suggests is downside is limited as long as the price structure remains inverted. So uh, Chicago wheat, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a trading affair. Put your trading shoes on. Uh, you know, Fade those uh, short-term intraday extremes. What's an intraday extreme? 90-minute uh, charts, two-hour charts, those that kind of deal. And uh, the wheat market, uh, I think, is just going to continue to chop around until we get closer to assessing uh, what we've got for a new crop. Tom Fritz there, EFG Group in Chicago. Let's get to numbers now from Wednesday, up a half point on March corn, 448 and a quarter. The trading range, about a nickel on the day. Down a quarter point on May corn, 458 and a half. Three and a half better on March soybeans, 1222 and a quarter. Soybeans got down to 12.06 and three quarters on the day. May beans up a nickel, 12.32 and three quarters. March wheat down over a dime, 5.95 and a quarter. In livestock, February live cattle down 67 cents, 177.35. And Febline hogs up 50 cents, 76.35. That does it for the Wednesday Farm Market Review and the Thursday Morning Hat Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Same hat time, same hat channel. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.